Welcome to Stacey on the Right, the podcast. We have Monica Crowley, former Assistant Secretary of Treasury during the Trump administration and also host of the Monica Crowley podcast, which you can listen to anywhere you listen to podcasts. And I would recommend it because, well, first of all, I love the sound of Monica's voice. And second of all, best political analysis you're going to get anywhere, which is why she's here with me today. Hey, Monica. Hey, Stacey. Thank you so much for having me back. And also for that fantastic introduction. You're so sweet. I really appreciate it. Thank you. And right back at you, my friend. Well, I really appreciate that. And I was actually just thinking today, I was literally thinking, oh my gosh, this time last year, I was prepping to go to Mar-a-Lago for the America First event. And I know it's going on again, and I'm going to be there again. And I'm hoping that I'm going to get to actually see you in person again. Like it's my one time a year that I think I might get to see Monica Crowley among other special people. You're very sweet. I'm not sure that I'm going to be there this time for that event. But I will certainly be in the universe of where we interact. Stacey, so I'm sure if I don't see you there, I will see you at another event soon. I hope. I hope so, too. So let's get into what it has turned into a bit of a good news fest, and I could use it. I mean, politically speaking, everything is so dire and so gross and disgusting that we could use some good news. And going into the midterm, it turns out that the Democrats' folly is really working to the advantage of the GOP. Yes, absolutely. You know, over the summer, there was a lot of talk about how the Democrats were gaining momentum and may have even pulled ahead, and they had enthusiasm on their side because this was in the wake of the Supreme Court decision on abortion, the Dobbs decision. So there was a lot of talk in the propaganda press about how things weren't as bleak as they looked for the Democrats. And so the Democrats sort of got self-satisfied with that news and kind of rested on their laurels a bit. But when you take a step back, they really have nothing, absolutely nothing to run on, which is why they're focused on abortion, which is way down the list of priorities for American voters. They're also focused on things like sex change operations for children and January 6th, which happened nearly two years ago and nobody cares about except for the Washington swamp. So after Labor Day, they said, oh, great, we've got the momentum. Here's what we're focused on. And the American people said, "Um, that's not what we're focused on. We're focused on a weakening economy, skyrocketing inflation, sky-high gas prices, our inability to feed our children and plan ahead or have any kind of economic certainty. We're concerned about the wide-open border and all of the problems that that brings. We're concerned about crime in our communities where we no longer feel safe leaving our own homes. We're concerned about all of these other issues. Why are you talking about abortion in January 6th? And it was at that moment that the polls began to shift back in favor of the Republicans, and we've never looked back. So actually, once that shift happened, Stacey, we see the momentum continuing to build for Republicans. Never take any of this for granted, right? I mean, we can never rest on our laurels. Democrats do all the time because they have the press in their pocket and they can afford to most of the time. We can never do that, but certainly not now. So even though the numbers in these state-by-state races look pretty good for Republicans right now, we need all hands on deck. We need everybody voting, and we need everybody volunteering their time, their resources, or their expertise to making sure that these races are clean in all of our communities. So the Big deal here, and you just touched on a little bit, the three issues that Americans really care about, which as a pro-lifer, it's not abortion. It is actually crime, 
the economy and education. And so, you know, education doesn't touch every American. Not all Americans are parents. But the stories surrounding education, the drag queen story hours, the drag queen crossing guards, the numerous, we're talking about multiple dozens of attacks. We're talking about sexual assault and kind of improper behavior between teachers and students, over 200 cases that Fox News has tracked so far this year. And that's physical person to person, not to mention pornographic books and the attacking and villainizing of parents who are coming to school board meetings and saying, like, what is this? Why is this book in my child's school? Why are my children's teachers talking to them about sex? And not just like how to on sex, not just that sex exists, that, you know, there are genders, but that they need to know the mechanics of sex. These are things that Americans, I feel like, are fed up with. And in a crushing economic situation with this inflation, parents are exhausted by their continual requirement that they basically police these schools. Absolutely. And I tweeted this a couple of months ago, and it went viral, and I stand by it. I think on November 8th, parents are going to destroy the Democratic Party. And it's not just parents. It's normal Americans. So whether you're a parent or not, Everybody in America has seen what's going on in our schools between critical race theory and that form of indoctrination and then the sexualization of our children, completely inappropriate and outrageous and, frankly, evil and wicked. I think you don't have to be a parent to be really concerned about what's going on in our schools. And you know what? Even if you're not a parent, you're still paying property taxes if you own property. So those property taxes are going to support the school in your community, and those schools are doing indoctrination? Oh, heck no. No. So I really think normal Americans of all stripes are going to destroy the Democrats on November 8th because they've had enough. Look, the truth is, Stacey, what you just laid out, what's going on in our schools, is cultural Marxism. And we see it in all of its forms, right? The taking down of statues of Civil War generals and the erasure of the founding fathers and Abraham Lincoln and our entire past is being whitewashed. That's cultural Marxism. But the indoctrination going on in our schools, that is 100 percent cultural indoctrination. And so you don't even have to understand that point to understand what is going on here is wrong, that children are being robbed of their innocence. And that is a crime against humanity right there. So I think, you know, the American people just viscerally get it, even if they're not all that political. They understand that what is happening at the hands of the Democrats and the left is wicked, wrong, counterproductive to the progress of this country, and they're going to vote against it. So the voting against it is the thing that I'm most fascinated by when I look at the difference in coverage, Monica, on the very same issues. So if you go to Real Clear Politics, which I know you've been there, you've, you've been tweeting about this, the seats that leaned Democrat have all flipped in Congress. They're now all leans Republican. And a lot of the candidates who were seen as long shots, people who would lose by double digits, have pulled up and are now polling equally in the governor's races and these other kind of hot button races. They're now polling alongside the incumbent or the highly favored Democrat. These are not things that you see in a normal midterm. Usually the party in power loses some seats. We expect that. But this kind of seismic shaking at the governor level and and some of the local races and the flipping of school boards, all of it points to an American populace that's just fed up. And it is good news for the GOP. What do you see us looking forward to here in the next week or so? 
Yeah, you know, it's really interesting. I mean, I'm talking to you from New York City, deepest of deep blue in a deep blue state. And it looks like we might, if we're lucky, we might get a Republican governor this time. And as I've been thinking about it, taking a look at the history of conservatives or Republicans who end up winning in these deep blue places over the last 20, 30 years, it occurred to me, Stacey, that people will put up with a lot and they'll be pushed and pushed and pushed and they will take it until the moment they don't. And it may very well be, like we saw it here in New York City uh, back in the early 90s, where we had Democrat after Democrat mayor, and then one day the, the population here woke up and said, we need law and order. This place is out of control. And they voted for Rudy. So you can push the American people right up against a wall, and they'll take it for a long period of time until the moment that they don't. And I think we're in one of those moments now where you see the American people, regardless of their political affiliation, just completely fed up with the lack of quality of life. Just basic things like their ability to buy milk for their kids or put gas in their station wagon or minivan, right? I mean, their ability just to live their life in the most basic way is under enormous pressure and enormous threat. And so that's why you see, like in New York, you've got Lee Zeldin, who's running for governor, who's running about even with the incumbent who was never elected. She became the accidental governor after Andrew Cuomo stepped down. But you also have places like Illinois, where the Republican running for governor is running within striking distance of the Democrat incumbent. You've got a place like Oregon, where the Republican candidate is running at least even if not a point or two ahead of the Democrat. I mean, these are deep blue places that might very well reach for an alternative. The Republican brand has been dirtied up for so many decades by the propaganda press and the left and the Democrats. But I think now a lot of people are saying, you know what, I may have to hold my nose to vote Republican, but I need my quality of life back. I need $2 a gallon gas. I need affordable eggs, <laughs> right? And I'm sick of this, and I've got to try something different. In Donald Trump's phrasing, to the black community, what the hell do you have to lose? And I think a lot of people now, their backs are up against the wall and they're thinking, what do I have to lose? Let me just try the alternative and see how that goes. Well, what do I have to lose, Monica? But I think people are now saying, my Lord, what have I lost? I mean, it's not just the inflation and that's bad enough by itself. It's everywhere you look, the gas, it's the overall general mood of the country. We had a booming, record-breaking economy. We had people getting bonuses. People were buying second homes and moving into their dream neighborhoods. They were putting their kids into private school, Christian school. Some people were able to, just through the economic prosperity, go down to one income and actually stay home with their children. People's lives were being changed. And it was the American dream on steroids during the Trump administration. I remember you and I talking about it, and we, we were just almost giddy. We were giggly about the fact that President Trump knew how to navigate Washington and get it out of the way of private industry so that they could do what they do best, create jobs, goods and services, employ Americans. And it was only until the pandemic arrived that we really kind of felt a contraction of any kind. So I think when you say, what do you have to lose? And that was such a great line from President Trump. He got so vilified for it, but it was one of the best questions he ever asked because it was so simple and so emotionally laden. 
now we know what we had to lose. We lost 1.5% inflation. We lost GDP growth. We're now in a recession. We lost $1.89 a gallon gas. I live in the Midwest. It probably wasn't that cheap in New York, but it was still way cheaper than it is now. Yes. And in fact, I just took a short trip to California. I was in LA to speak at the Richard Nixon Presidential Library, Stacey. And I cannot believe as I was driving around Los Angeles, first of all, the homelessness, the crime, everything there is completely out of control. That's one party rule in California, like it is in Illinois and New York, and it's a disgrace. But I couldn't believe when I drove past gas stations that there was a seven in front of the per gallon amount. I couldn't believe it was like like seven dollars and ten cents per gallon. And I'm like, I thought yeah. five bucks in New York State was bad, right? Right. Look, I think a lot of people in regular time do not necessarily associate their vote with the consequences of their vote. Like they were raised in a Democratic household, and so they began voting Democrat when it was legal for them to do that. And then because they started doing it, their family always did it, it became sort of just a routine. It became part of their identity. Everybody's a political affiliation is part of their identity. And so they became not just political Democrats, but cultural Democrats as well. It's very difficult for people to move off of that because it's so deeply entrenched in who you are as a person, right? So it takes a lot for people to step off that square and look in a different direction and consider a different party. So I've got huge respect for people like Tulsi Gabbard and others who are willing to say, wait a minute. This is not the party that I grew up in. This is not the party of JFK or Bill Clinton. This is a Marxist revolutionary party. They are crazy and they're trying to destroy the country. And in so doing, they are destroying my life, my ability to feed kids and put gas in my car, right? So I think now, because things have gotten so bad and unified Democratic control in Washington and the Biden administration... They are such historic catastrophes that now their eyes are more open and they're actually connecting their vote to the consequences of their vote more than they ever did. And that's getting people to change and at least consider the Republican Party. That's why you're seeing some big shifts, especially in blue states. So I love the fact that you connect this to the idea of a cultural phenomenon, the affiliation of a political party being a part of an identity. I think the conversations that have been had about that in the past have been very rich and very informative. I don't think Democrats really discuss it that way. They see it as an identity because they use that identity to control certain population groups. It is an interesting thing to see people kind of shaking that off. And they're kind of doing it in a migratory fashion because they shake off the idea that they're a Democrat as they move out of New York to Florida or they move out of California to Texas. And they're saying, I don't want to live that way anymore. I want freedom. So I'm going to reaffiliate myself with a different party. And they make a shift. And we're seeing over a million people did that. Last year, the number was over a million people shifted from Democrat to Republican Party affiliation officially. But I don't think that number accurately reflects everyone who made the shift mentally and just isn't going to, you know, go fill out a form online to make sure that the election office knows what their affiliation is. So as we close out here, what do you see us actually being able to do if if the Republicans can take back both houses in November, and it's very likely that they will, there's this kind of fear under the ground in the grassroots that 
they might behave as they did when President Trump took office. They had all of the power, but they didn't use it because they were too busy kind of infighting. And some of them were hurt because of the primary and Trump was mean. And so there was a lot of problems. Do you think the GOP has finally got their head screwed on tight? They understand that this isn't really about them or their feelings. It's about having a job to do for the American people. And we're in an existential moment for the country. And so I think if anybody is going to try to pull that nonsense again, they will be swiftly reprimanded by the base and by the American people. And I want to tease that that uh, point out just a minute, but I want to get back to our previous point, Stacey, because when I was talking about the shift, and it does take a lot for people to change their political affiliation or vote in a different way, but I think because the Trump years were so prosperous and peaceful, And it was just a mere two years ago. I mean, despite COVID and everything else, Donald Trump delivered a booming economy and world peace, right? I don't know what more people want or expect (laughs) for an American president, but he did a pretty darn good job, right? So, uh, which is another reason why they tried to destroy him and continue to. But because that was only two to three years ago now, memories are still so fresh in people's minds that what the Democrats have delivered, an absolute catastrophe in every direction, they're looking at that and the contrast is really stark. So I think that is also helping the political realignment that we're seeing. Getting back to your question about the Republicans, the first two years of the Trump administration, you'll recall Paul Ryan was a speaker and he was running the House of Representatives. He's the one who stopped building the wall. He's the one who blocked a lot of what President Trump ran on and won on in 2016. If the Republicans go down that road again, and I don't think they're going to because I think a lot of them are awake now. You may have some because you're still going to have some Republican establishment weasels in there like Mitt Romney, Mm -hmm. Lisa Murkowski, if she wins her ways, Mitch McConnell, who is disgusting. Okay, I am sorry, but the way he is mobilized against genuine America first candidates, pulling money from Blake Masters in Arizona, pulling money from Don Boldrick in New Hampshire, when these people are within striking distance, if not running even, that is a disgrace. And the Republican base, as well as a lot of independents and disaffected Democrats who are going to vote with us this time, they're looking at that and going, what are you doing? Donald Trump revolutionized the party. He made it a populist party, and he exposed the depth of corruption and rot, not just in the federal government, like at the DOJ and FBI, but also in the press and also within his own party, within the Republican Party. So all of these frauds have been completely exposed. They resent Trump for it. Another reason why they continue to try to destroy him. Mm -hmm. The base now is awake to it and aware of it. And if anybody like a Mitt Romney, I mean, there's going to be help to pay for Mitt Romney telling you that right now he's probably going to lose a primary if Jason Chaffetz or somebody else, America First, challenges him. I think he's up in 24. He's likely to go down. There is going to be accountability for any Republican weasel who moves against the America First agenda. Forget about Trump. We're talking about putting this country first, Mm -hmm. putting the American people first. Things are different now. This is not the Republican Party of Ronald Reagan. This is a different Republican Party. And we are fearless, right? We are the new right. We're absolutely fearless to push back against the liars in the press or the Democrats or the liars within our own party. 
And so any establishment character who is tempted to try to undermine any of this, you're on notice that you are going down. And I think I couldn't be more in unison with you, literally a unimind with that whole statement. And in the big scheme of things, you know, we're always going to have someone who maybe is running as a Republican because they can't win as a Democrat or someone who has their own personal agenda because of, you know, whatever it is with Mitt Romney. I, I can't figure out what it is, but I don't actually want to waste my time trying to figure out why he can't just be a great Republican. But I know for every Mitt Romney, we have 50, 60, 100 fantastic Republicans who are willing to lay their lives down for the American people and the American first agenda. And I got to tell you, you just said something that's so important. People want to make this about Trump because he was good at what he did and he made promises and he kept them. And we can never, ever let anyone impugn the character that it takes to do something like that. But in the end, it's always going to be about the American people. And I think you highlighting that is so perfect. And I'm just, I'm so glad that you could join me today. I look forward to speaking to you on the night show. And until then, be safe out there while you're traveling. Can't wait to see what you're going to do next. And thank you for joining me today. Oh, it's always such a pleasure to talk to you, Stacey. You're a total rock star and I really appreciate it. God bless. God bless. We'll talk again soon. All right. Now is Monica Crowley, who is the best at telling us exactly what's going on. I can't wait to see her predictions come true in just a short couple of weeks. We'll be back with more Stacey on the Right podcast for you at Family Vision Media. God bless.